Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I want to begin by telling you a story of a serious hiker who made it his entire life. Perhaps you've heard of him. One of the most famous mountain climbers in history is a guy named George Mallory. He's best known for his attempts at climbing Mount Everest. In 1924, he and his climbing partner tried to be the first to ever reach the summit. They disappeared, and their bodies were discovered 75 years later in 1999. It's been debated whether they ever made it to the top. His most famous quote on when he was asked why he wanted to climb Mount Everest, his simple response was, because it is there. Recently, I read more about George's life in another book. You see, George had this son. His name was John. And John said that he was proud of his father, but he said, I would so much rather have known my father than have grown up in the shadow of a legend, a hero, as some people perceive him to be. The author goes on to say that George faced the challenges and the thrill of the mountain because it was there, but so was his son. He chose the joy and the challenges of the mountain rather than the mundane of loving his family. Most of us in here want to accomplish great things. We want to climb to the top of our mountain of our aspirations and dreams. And at one time it may have been the corporate ladder for you and now it's just the the tennis ladder or the golf ladder. You still want to accomplish great things. But if we fail to engage others with love, it all comes to nothing. We can do some pretty cool and great things, even great things for God. But if we do not love, it's all canceled out. It means nothing. Let me give you a new equation. It goes like this. Greatness minus love equals nothing. That's the way the Apostle Paul begins the most famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look at it this morning as we consider the first virtue of the fruit of the Spirit, love. And from in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against Such things there is no law. Please notice that it is fruit and not fruits, which means it's a package deal. 
The Spirit produces all the traits to grow in the believer, not just one or two. It is not about your temperament. It is not about your natural abilities. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God lives in you to produce fruit. It's not about your ability. It's not about your inability. It's about supernatural ability from God to produce fruit in you. And it grows over time. Sometimes it's hard to see. <laughs> Is there any fruit there? But it comes in this full strength and full dependence. We, we step out and cultivate this fruit in full strength, but we can't pull it off, so we're fully dependent upon the Lord. And that brings us to our first virtue of love, which we will see in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul wrote this to a church that was bursting with great spiritual gifts but were lacking in love. They could speak in tongues, prophesy, and exhibit great faith. Yet in the midst of exercising all these gifts, they failed to love. Their use of the gifts were more about showing off rather than loving others. Paul doesn't throw out the gifts, but he wants to emphasize three main points in this chapter 13. I'm going to share them with you this morning. It goes like this. Number one, greatness minus love equals nothing. Two, to love is a selfless sacrifice. It's not about me, and it's probably going to hurt. Three, love endures forever as is rooted in God's forever love. Are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. A person can speak in tongues, but without love, it's just noise. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Even the gift of prophecy, your faith, can move mountains with a bunch of nothing without love. Verse 3. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Giving away all your possessions to the poor and even sacrificing your body to death as a martyr for Jesus means nothing without love. Greatness minus love equals nothing. There was once this man who wanted to accomplish great things for God. He was passionate about Jesus, and he wanted to risk his life, risk his money, risk his time, all for the sake of the kingdom. But he also had a wife and a kid, and he had some trouble in his marriage. And the reason why he had trouble in his marriage and with his family is because he was so zealous for Jesus. You know, some of those people that are really zealous for Jesus and they're married, they're kind of wondering, why is my spouse not getting on board? When maybe your spouse is not getting on board with your zeal because your zeal is lacking in love. The mentor to this guy told him this. 
He was restless to do something great for God, and yet he didn't know how to include changing diapers in his definition of greatness. And all the grandmas said, Amen. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13 tends to slow me down and gives me a picture of who I want to become because in my unrestrained natural state I want to accomplish great things for God but he wants to slow me down and show me and redefine great things and I have a silly image that comes to mind of the Miami Heat basketball team specifically this guy named Shane Battier once in game seven of the NBA finals he hit six three-pointers to help the Heat win the championship. A few hours later, his picture was taken sitting around a table with friends and family at Denny's. You just hit six three-pointers in the NBA finals to win the championship. You should be out clubbing with all the celebrities. He's at a Denny's restaurant. I love that image because what I want is greatness. I want to be known. I want everybody to say, man, you just help us win it all. And he just, simple meal, on a table at Denny's. Makes me think about our Eat, Love, Pray initiative that I introduced to you last week. If you weren't here, just a real quick recap. It's really complicated. We want you to engage people by asking them over for a meal. Eat. And then we want you to love them and encourage them. Maybe share the gospel with them. And then we want you to pray for them afterwards. Not necessarily with them, but on your own. Pray for them. Eat, love, pray. Now, for those of you who like to be part of churches that are doing huge things, mammoth visions, you want your church to be known and great, and if your friends ask you, what vision is that new pastor bringing to you at church, just tell them, he just wants us to eat with people. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's not great, is it? It's not impressive. And yet... It can be very loving, very, very loving. You see, greatness, right, minus love, it's nothing. All right, let's go to the second part in verse 4. Now it gets tough because love is a selfless sacrifice. It's not about me, and it's probably going to hurt. Look at verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind, and it's not jealous. Love does not brag, and it's not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. <laughs> These descriptors are not meant to be sentimental and destined for a Hallmark card. It's not meant to put on your wall as a picture. 
if I come over to your house and you have this on the wall, I'm going to say to you, do you understand what this is saying? This is all over wedding bulletins, and, and they'll be, you know, my husband and wife, the bride and groom-to-be, they will say this love stuff, and you want to stop the ceremony and say, do you understand what you're getting into? This is going to be hard. It's going to be messy. It's not about you, and it's probably going to hurt. And all the married people said, Amen. One has said that all life-changing love is some kind of substitutionary sacrifice. Sacrifice of time, money, energy. You must decrease so that others can increase. First, I want to give you what this can look like practically, and then I want to give you what it means theologically. Usually you do those in verse. You give the theology first, and then you give the practical, but I don't think you're going to listen to the theology because you're going to be stumped by this reality that you cannot pull it off. So let's start with the practical. How do you love sacrificially like this, practically on a daily basis, when the other person you were trying to love is extremely difficult? I found this helpful. Rather than thinking about loving a difficult person all day for the rest of your life, think about loving them for the next 30 seconds. Can you do that? So even if your mind, as you're dealing with them, just start counting down your mind, 30, 29, 28, 27. And when you get to the bottom and you did 30, do another 30. 30, 29, 28, 27. And just ask God your strength to pull off 30 seconds at a time. By God's grace, he'll put it together. You might get a whole minute. Practical. Now, let me give you the theological as we go through this. Be sure you listen to this. Look at the verses closely. Love is patient. It's hard to be patient when someone won't get it together. But God has been patient with you while you get it together. Love is kind. Maybe you don't feel like being kind to others because they don't deserve it. But God has been kind to you and you don't deserve it. It's easy to burn with jealousy and envy. But do you not believe that God and what he chooses to provide is enough? Bragging and boasting in self is natural. But highlighting the good in others is supernatural. Arrogance and rudeness go hand in hand, but humility and courtesy come through self-forgetfulness. Notice in the middle of verse 5 that love does not seek its own. It's not about you. It's not about your rights, but about serving others. Love is not provoked or irritated. It's not irritable in the sense that you are easily set off. But instead, it lets stuff slide. Love is not resentful. It does not keep a record of wrongs to be brought up at just the right time. And when someone reaps what they have sown, it's easy to rejoice 
and unrighteousness or wrongdoing, but not love, -uh, not love. Love takes another path and it only rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is a selfless sacrifice. It's not about you and it's probably going to hurt. 30, 29, 28, 27. Implications. Here's some implications for you. Implication number one. I must not wait until I feel loving to do something loving. I'm excused from loving you because I don't feel like it and I don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> Number two, I must challenge my unloving attitudes. I'll love you, but just not like you. Let God deal with your heart. Can you imagine if God dealt with you that way? I'll love you, but I'm not going to like you. That is not our Father. Our Father loves us and likes us. Number three, I must love others without a catch. If you do blank, then I will love you. Does our Father make us jump through hoops before He loves us? Will you make others jump through hoops before you love them? How about loving others without a catch? Love is a selfless sacrifice. It's not about you, and it's probably going to hurt. And lastly, love endures forever as it is rooted in God's forever love. Verse 8. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge will pass away and no longer be necessary at the second coming of Christ or when we are with the Lord in heaven. But love, love will endure forever. In fact, love will never fail. This week I was encouraged to develop unrealistic ideas of what love can accomplish. Think about situations in your life where love is needed while at the same time it seems impossible to love. And then get to a point where you start to develop unrealistic ideas of what love can actually accomplish as God has changed you, which was very unrealistic at one time, right? And now his love through you and loving someone else to develop a possibility that they may change as well. Love never fails. Verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When we see Jesus, the perfect comes, all the partial will be gone. Right now we communicate this reality of Christ through preaching and speaking His truth, but one day we will see Him and these partial means of communication will pass away because we'll have Him face to face. Verse 11. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. 
When I came a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as also I have been fully known. When Christ comes back, or we, or we die and we're with him, we're no longer going to participate in immature ways of communicating, but be fully mature in the presence of God. Now we see dimly in a distorted mirror, but one day we will see the fullness of Christ face to face. Then we will know the Lord fully as the Lord fully knows us. We're talking about heaven here. We're talking about eternal life with Jesus. And this is in the context of love. And I want to push you to love like heaven is real, which it is. But love as if life continues after this. Some of us are loving as if we're going to live, then we're going to die, and that's going to be it. But something happens when you know that you will be with the Lord forever and your ability to love right now is such a short amount of time. And may there be some things that you do in your life that just don't make sense. Like why would you endure with that difficult person? Why? Why would you sacrifice money and time and energy to serve other people. How would you do that? You say, because life is just not here. It's just not here and now. It's, you're going to last forever with the Lord, if you're a believer, right? How about having that perspective that changes your life, that right now, right now, I just want to go ahead and say it, right now, you do not have to have a bucket list. You do not have to think of all these great things on this earth that you're going to try to accomplish before you die. You want to cram them all in. What happens after you die? Are you going to be in the new heavens and new earth? Maybe you can do some of those things then. We are not here trying to cram all our fun in before we die. We are commanded to love, and that is sacrificial. And that will take time. It will take energy, maybe even away from our bucket list. And that's okay, because we're going to live forever with the Lord. And we are rooted in his forever love. And as he has loved us, so now we can love other people sacrificially. And we are told in verse 13, but now faith, hope, love abide these three. The greatest of these is love. Faithfulness to Jesus and hope in the Lord will remain, but the greatest is love. And as God's love endures forever, so the love we have shown. And the gifts and all the achievements are great, but love is greater and lasts forever. And I don't know about you, but I I need 1 Corinthians 13 over and over and over again because there's something about 1 Corinthians 13 that calms me down and slows me down from my overemphasis of striving to produce and accomplish something great, even something great for the Lord. While I was in seminary in Dallas and I was single, I had a vision to accomplish great things to the Lord. 
I mean, I'm serious. I was, I was just locked in. I was, I was motivated to study, pray, fast, preach, disciple with all I had. I, I would get in the Word. I would crank on my homework. I would go out on the streets and evangelize. I was, I was pastoring this college group, and I'm with these young people, and they're so pumped up for Jesus. And I thought, I'm just going to dedicate my whole life going all out. Lord, I'll be, I'll be a martyr for you. Let's go ahead and be a martyr. Let's do that now, God. Let's just go out there. I'll go wherever you want me to go. But then... The Lord gave me my ill grandma to take care of for several years. And I'm like, God, I want to do great things for you, but not this. <laughs> because this is an interruption from me, you know, right now. It's an interruption for me doing great things. I mean, just think about it. Just think about it. Put yourself in my shoes. I was young. I was in my early 20s. I mean, I was like 22, and I felt, I felt like older people should take care of older people. Should be a rule, right? <laughs> older people should take care of older people. And by that, I don't just mean people your age. I mean, your kids should take care of you. But think about this. Do you want your 22-year-old grandchild to take care of you? That is a little scary, right? That sounds scary, right? That, that was me. Ten times worse. And I would like to think that my grandmother, she just saw me overflowing with love and compassion. But the reality was I was her only option. Not a very good one, but her only one. And God was about to use me over the next several years to care for her in ways I never thought I would ever do. Because what he was doing, he was training me and teaching me on the way of greatness. Sacrificial love. It was God's plan all along. I thought I was there for training in seminary. God had some other training in mind. I thought it was an interruption, and yet it was God's plan. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know who's in your life right now, but chances are God has given you people to love in your life right now, and chances are you may view them as an interruption. And it's not an interruption. It's God's plan. He has called you to love them sacrificially. It may feel like an interruption you know, from your point of view, for your plans, but that interruption is God's plan to be his hands and feet to them. It's God's plan, not an interruption. Why? Greatness minus love equals nothing. Love is a selfless sacrifice. It's not about you, and it's probably going to hurt. But love is rooted in God's forever love for you. And as you are rooted in God's forever love, you let his love 
spill out all for his glory. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.